Welcome to our on-air series for this year's City Business Festival. City Business Festival is brought to you by APSA Bank and the Ghana Investment Promotion Center. And this week, we've been talking about understanding opportunities within the agricultural sector. And we're very privileged to have uh, the CEO of the Chamber of Agribusiness in Ghana, who is also the chair of the Ghana Agriculture Sector Skills Council, in the person of Anthony Morrison. He's a farmer as well. To help us understand and explore opportunities within the agribusiness value chain in Ghana. Mr. Morrison, welcome to the City Business Festival. Thank you very much, Bernard. Tell me a bit about yourself. So you are Chamber CEO of Agribusiness and also Ghana Agriculture Sector Skills Council. Just talk a bit about what that is. All right. So uh, the Chamber is the private sector uh, body that we look at uh, advocacy, uh, policy, and also um, trade. Uh, with regards to our members, that uh, we support our members with market intelligence and uh, also support them uh, financing. I see. So we want to talk about opportunities within the agribusiness value chain in Ghana. How are you going to approach this topic today? So thank you very much. Uh, for the sake of uh, the time that we do not have, I'm going to approach this from um, the normal perspective. We'll move from the upstream where we'll discuss uh, technology and finance, how it's impact on the system. Then we move to uh, the midstream where the marketing, where we have the technology um, with regards to post-service technology, warehousing, logistics, processing, and value addition taking place. Then we come to the downstream where we have the productivity and how to manage your farm with regards to uh, disease control, that's uh, pet management and all that. And within this, I'm, I'll come up with uh, the various uh, aligned areas and opportunities that uh, people need to look at, uh, especially with regards to the current situation. Then I'll tie in with the policies and how government can and the, the private sector can come in and invest into the sector. So you're going to talk about the downstream, the midstream, the upstream, and also technology. Yes, exactly. So let's start with uh, the downstream. Uh, what are some of the opportunities which exist? And just explain some of those to us. So for instance, um, first of all, let me just uh, bring listeners to the point for them to know what is called a value chain. Uh, when we say agribusiness value chain, most people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It simply requires uh, or it means that every important thing that needs to be touched on before there is a complete of a product or production is called a value chain. So for instance, you want to do maize. What do you need? You need a seed breeder. The seed breeder comes up with the seed. You need a seed multiplier. Then you go to uh, look for the land. The land, you do the testing of the soil. Then you plow. You need the, the one who have the machinery who comes in to clear the land and plow the land for you. Then you need the person who comes in and do the seeding. Okay? After which you do the farm management. Farm management, you go to, you do... Uh, pest control, pest management, and you look at harvest. After harvesting, you need to uh, store your produce in a very nice place so to avoid aflatoxins. So all these things are very important. After storing, what's next? You need market. Okay? But market comes in the face of the first initial area when we come to the upstream. So value chain in one sentence is all things that requires perfect production because you need market, but any other thing that needs to be done within the agribusiness sector is the value chain. This is very interesting because before you got to market, you mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different roles. Seed breeder, multiplier, the land clearing, 
the land testing, the plowing, the seeding or the planting, farm uh, worker, pest control, harvest, storage. So that's interesting. So are these things done by the same person? No. Or in terms of your value chain analysis, this means that these are all specific things that different people can do. Exactly. So after identifying your market, knowing that, okay, buffer stock requires maize, or maybe the Accra, uh, the Great Accra Pottery Farmers Association requires maize. So you go to them and say, okay, Mr. Bernard, we'll give you 100,000 tons. Can you supply? Say yes. Okay. With that, you go to any of the financial institutions. In this case, APSA is sponsoring this program. So you go to APSA. So APSA, I have this um, document with these people, agreement. Okay, we'll, we'll finance you. So at that level, you've taken care of the upstream challenges. Now, APSA is going to ask you, what is the technology available to you? So, okay, I'm going to do mechanized farming. Okay, are you going to apply irrigation because 100,000 tons is huge? And for you to be able to do four months, four months for the year, you need to apply machinery and irrigation system. Pivot, drip, um, how do you call it, sprinkler. Any of this comes on board with the technology. So we are still at the upstream. Now, once the upstream is well catered for, you can jump the midstream and come to the downstream. Now, where you come to the soil physicist or the soil scientist, he helps you to select the land because the land must be conducive for rice production. Then, after you are very clear, then you go in for a plowing specialist. He knows that you are coming to do maize. So, he knows the depth at which he's going to plow the, your land for you. Because if he plows deeper, like he's coming to do palm oil, or cashew or cocoa, you are a failure. Because you need just seven days for the maize to start sprouting. Okay? Or less, depending on the variety of hybrid you are using. So, if you do not get the inches very timely, it will distort um, the, the, the whole process. Then you move on. You apply uh, fertilizers if you, you have to. But in this case, yes, of course, you have to apply fertilizers. Are you going to use drones? This is where you we go in for other options. You can also use the irrigation process of pivots to apply the fertilizers. Whether you are doing the um, foliar system, you, you apply the fertilizers using the foliar system. Now, you can also plant uh, the, 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 the maize alongside with the fertilizer at the same time. So it's a different technology you can use. But in all these uh, processes, there are special people who do them. So when it comes to the pest control, so you need the entomologist. Okay. And you need a pest specialist who is able to identify this pest and says, okay, probably this is fall armyworms and this is what you need to use in terms of um, solving or eradicating that particular problem. So he helps you throughout. Now, the time of harvest is very critical. The humidity, the temperature, the dryness of the maize have to be identified. If you do not harvest at the right temperature and humidity and you store, within 14 days, all your produce can go bad. So you bring in the specialist, the post-harvest specialist, who understand when you should harvest. And you get a timely right. You bring in the harvesters, the treasures, and all that. You bring them in. They help you to harvest. You store in a very humid area because they, they give you the conditions. Now, after which, you now you look at, okay, I now have the, my midstream catered for. I need to move on to logistics in terms of transportation. So you bring in the trucks to transport those who handle the food the load of sacks must handle it with extra care what we see with people just loading anyhow is not how you handle food 
there are special ways of loading food and we load food anyhow as you do that you move it onto the truck the truck moves it into the next warehouse for processing at the point of processing we look at quality control they are going to put your 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 produce under test what is the quality of the food of the maize that you are uh, uh, supplying to them they do all your testing and if they are clear they take so each badge they do testing testing the right temperature testing to make sure that there are no aflatoxins and also there are no other um, problems with the seed uh, with the maize is very critical because it's going to livestock even if it's for uh, human consumption all these processes are very critical so you are testing what the, the produce that you've produced before yes. you store it exactly so if you test and you notice it has a high level of aflatoxin, what do you do? So you, there are processes to go through. You go through dryness. If it's at the point where it can be solved, then it goes through. But some areas, they give it to pigs. But even that, not all. Mm. So there are still uh, some um, situations where you do. Otherwise, you plow back into the soil. So far, you've spoken to me about the soil people the plowing people, fertilizer, planting, pest control, testing the thing you've produced before you come. Now, if somebody listening to us wants to enter agriculture, does he have to be a professional in all these areas before he can enter? Or if he wants to enter one of these areas, so maybe I'm a banker who has decided I'm going to retire and I have a lot of money, I want to enter farming. Are the things you've said to me all legitimate areas they can enter? Can you say, for example, I'm going to, going to do plowing. I'm going to learn how to do plowing. Buy the devices for plowing. Just do the plowing part of the business. Or the way agriculture is, you must, you must be part of the whole value chain to, 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 to make profit. No, I'll give you one example. Uh, in Brazil, where they've come up with what they call the, uh, the farm management companies. So farm management companies, for instance, you have your money and you set up a machinery company. So I, have, I want to do 100,000 uh, acres of land. So I, I come to hire you and say, look, uh, Mr. Bernard, your company, I'm going to do 100,000 acres of maize. I need you to come and plow and partition the farm for me and plow 20,000, 20,000, 20,000. However, I'll still need you to come and do my irrigation for me. So you come in with all your machinery and do the irrigation and you move out. You go and do other businesses that you've been contracted to do. Then you come in and say, look, you know, in the next 16 weeks, I'll be harvesting. So I need you to come and harvest. So you come and harvest. I bring in the management who are good in, um, who are maize experts to handle the management. And I pay them too. So I may not have to be an expert in any of this. I have my money. And I only want to do maize because the greater crab poultry farmer says, look, they need maize from me. That's it. But in Ghana, when we talk about food and agriculture, usually we only think about farmers. And usually it's in our mind, we are thinking about somebody who goes to put the seed in the soil and then waits for it to ripen. But the way you are talking, all these people are in the agriculture value chain and they are all in the agric sector. It's not just, quote-unquote, the farmer. That's the point. That's very interesting. So the, I told some students last year that the farmer in Africa is one of the most highest profession you should respect. Because if you look at a smaller holder farmer, he's able to identify the quality of a seed, the quality of the land, 
the quality of the fertilizer and knows when to harvest and still does all the correct things. Just that the climate change and he's not able to expand because he doesn't have enough money to buy all the machinery. Farmers in Ghana are very intelligent. Bernard, they do five acres every year, but there are still post-harvest losses. Post-harvest losses in Ghana are over 40%. But the next year, you still cultivate the same five acres. So all we are saying is that let's increase mechanization on all our farms in Ghana. And we'll be food sufficient. We'll, be food, we'll have a food, sovereignty, uh, a food sovereign country. This is the City Business Festival. We're talking agriculture this week. Our guest is Anthony Morrison, CEO of the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana and also the chairman of the Ghana Agricultural Sector Skills Council. And he's helping us appreciate the opportunities in the agri value chain. He's given us four levels, downstream, midstream, upstream, and technology. But he's just started with downstream and explained some of the things there. Can you talk a bit about the midstream? Thank you. So the midstream is where we come in with all the technologies. Now, there are some interface you, you see, an interlock. Uh, so if you take the the downstream, the, the farmer interfaces with the technology provider. Because, for instance, if I want to do pottery and I'm going to do deep litter or I'm going to do cages, the one who is in charge of that technology comes in and trains the farmer. The farmer understands that, okay, so when I use the cages, I'm able to increase my efficiency and productivity. So I'll go for cages instead of deep litter. So I'll be able to uh, collect the manure easily and probably be able to apply it back into my other productivity. So you look at all these components and move in. So the area of post-harvest technology, logistics, warehousing, then processing also starts in the same vein. So if you want to do mango, fruit juice, okay? By the time they bring the products to the uh, factory, you do your all the quality control and you pass it. It takes you all the, the value chain of processing. Then you start processing, right? All these areas are the midstream. Then you tied it onto the market. Now, the market, though, first of all, comes in at the upstream level. You will see that in all the, the streams, upstream, downstream, uh, their market is very critical in all of them. Because even before you produce, you need to identify Bernard as a machinery pro service provider. You need to identify City as an entomology specialist. You need to identify Godfrey as a person who is good in post-harvest. So for you, that's your market. The farmer is your market. So the market permeates through all the streams. So whether you are the upstream, if APSA is at the upstream, where they look at financing, agribusiness financing, looking at the risk level to mitigate it, they identify the farmer as a market. These things you've explained for both downstream and midstream, how do they apply if you are dealing with livestock? Because you've spoken about, a lot of the examples have been from crops. Do, are they in the same... So, for example, if I'm starting a poultry farm, can you walk me through some of the uh, opportunities within the downstream and the midstream, just like you've done for the, the plants? Yeah, certainly. So, the last value chain can be defined or simply stated as a full range of activities that is required to bring a product to life or an animal to life. So we're looking at uh, live animals, meat, milk, eggs, leather, fiber, manure, and many other things. Let's take goat. Okay, you said pottery, for instance. For pottery, 
you need to identify the site. If you site your uh, farm where the wind blows against the pottery, that means that, or the beds, or the farm, that means that you are likely to have high level of diseases. And most people don't know how to site it. So they go to site it, and every now and then, uh, there are problems on the farm because the air blow against it. It shouldn't be like that. But these are trending areas that a lot of farmers virtually will get to know. So you look at how to site your farm, then look at the materials, how to set it up. How is the construction done? Are you going for deep litter or you are going for cages? Then you identified where is your feed going to come from. Are you going to process? If you are going to process, where are you taking your primary uh, feed production? So in terms of location, apart from the place you put it against the wind, are there parts of the country that poultry will not do well? So, for example, Accra, we have Kasua versus Tema versus Dodoa or things. Is, it, is there anything like that or that's not necessary? We have, it's raining now. We have flood-prone areas, for yes. example. Do you, how, do, are those things all part of your consideration? Apart from the wind, I mean the seaside, of course. Uh, you don't set up pottery or livestock close to the seaside okay, because of the obvious disease control challenges. Now, apart from that, we also have to look at, okay, what the skills? Skills is very critical. Most people don't look at it. I can tell you for a fact that we import over 60% of agriculture sector skills into the country. We recently launched the Ghana Agriculture uh, Skills Gap. And there is a whole huge of areas that we bring in experts. Like which ones? From entomology, irrigation. I mean, ac- across board, if over 60% of the commercial farms we, we have in Ghana, the farm managers are all imported. Really? I don't want to mention the, the names, but supervisors, people are driving forklifts, people are driving all sorts of things. We haven't the, trained our people enough to do these things? We have, but the, uh, for instance, if you take cashew, we are not able to process cashew in Ghana because in India, it takes one person to man three of the skills, but in Ghana, it takes one person to man just one skill. So, the cost of pro- uh, processing cashew is so much in Ghana than in India. So the skills diversification for economic transformation within some of these areas is very critical to mitigate some of the skills that we are losing. So coming back to the poultry area, after you've done all that, you shouldn't set up too far from the market. Because if you set up somewhere in Tolo and you are going to bring all your eggs here, by the time you travel and bring all the eggs here, the prices have shorter because of the cost of transportation. These are also critical in, in inciting where your farm should be. Wow. Then also water. Mm. Water. Mm. Water that they drink. If you give them the wrong water, you can clear the, the farm. You can just kiss their farm goodbye because mm. they can all go dead mm. within an hour. So, source of water. Your water must be tested to make sure that they contain the right uh, ingredients mm-hmm. and what is required. Uh we shouldn't have high chemical level from the processing or the sewage area. So it's very important. That is why sometimes it's advised that you store the water, you draw up and store the water for some few days. You take through some sedimentation before you give it to the livestock. So that is also important. Then also how you manage the, 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 the pottery beds, the deep litter or the cages 
how you do all the pottery management or the livestock management is also very critical. While we work on how to limit the growth of livestock production and, uh, and bring in some kind of competitiveness, especially to the smaller holder farmer and the commercial farmers, we also need to look at financing. How is the financing access? Financing entire to market. And uh, also see how the distribution and the risk and gains along different steps of the, uh, the livestock value chain varies also according to gender and other requirements. So it is agreed that women are more uh, efficient when it comes to livestock production because they take care of the productivity and everything compared to women, uh, men. Meanwhile, if you come to crops, people also think that, uh, yes, men do very well in some areas of their crops. So we look at all that. Then also, accommodation facility for workers. You see, if you don't do some of these things and pifering, if you have to allow your workers to go back home every day and they are, there is pifering, high increase of pifering on your farm, that means that by the time you project for uh, probably 75%, they have stolen about 15% and you will not be able to meet your target. And that will bring you problem with the, uh, the financing company. So it's, it's, it's very important that we, we look at all some of these things. So financing is an upstream activity. It is. But you said earlier that you must secure it before you start the downstream. You don't start planting and then say, oh, Charlie, Mikra, I have 20 tons of rice. So can we get money to do the harvesting? <laughs> so even though financing is an upstream. Financing and marketing. You think about that and secure that before you start your downstream. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Exactly. What's the best type of funding for large-scale agriculture in your experience? What are some of the places we should look for for financing? For me, I always tell a lot of uh, people who want to go into huge-scale commercial farm is look for the market first. Okay. So make sure that what you've produced somebody is willing to uptake it before you start even putting a seed in the soil right? yes a seed in the soil or before you even go in for the uh, the production whether it's livestock because the point is that our interest rate is so high whereas mm-hmm. other countries are in the single digits we are in 20 something mm-hmm. and for even though agriculture is very rewarding and productive you can't possibly go for a credit from a bank at 27 or 29 and plow it into the soil when even at the point of planting the odds are against you mm-hmm. climate change mm-hmm. quality of seeds mm-hmm. quality of workers uh, inavailability of uh, agriculture machinery transportation bad roads from the farm to the roadside and the longer it takes you to even access the market so the best house advice people if the market is already in there waiting for you you can go for any facility you want to go for once you are able to do your calculation and move in for your required uh, margin that's perfect so marketing and financing is critical those are the two key upstream activities did you say anything about storage because i know that in ghana one of the big problems is storage because we are not able to process so if i talk to you about processing and storage what are some of the key point considerations? Thank you very much. Uh, with the storage activities are very critical in that, for instance, take the eggs that we've had a lot of discussion on over mm-hmm. the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Over 500,000 eggs uh, of crates are going back. Yes. Now, there are different types of storage. You can add value to the egg mm-hmm. by boiling them 
taking the shelves off and putting them into um, uh, sorted water mm-hmm. and keeping it so that anytime you want to use it, you have egg to, to eat. Mm-hmm. It is the same thing in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. In Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, these people eat eggs, 12 eggs a day. They go and buy a bottle of egg. Mm-hmm. They have 12, 15, and they can finish that in a day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is a way to preserve it. And it's also a storage um, a system. Mm-hmm. Now, you can also come up with a refrigerated system, warehouse, where we can keep eggs for one month mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. Because you agree with me that you go to the warehouse and um, you buy egg. You keep it in the fridge. Sometimes it takes more than a month. When you go back for it, it's still fresh. You, you can fry your egg. You can do a number of things you want to do with them. So, storage is very important. There are other areas of storage in the, um, the egg sector that you, we can look at. Like, for instance, the egg powder. Yes. Okay, That's another area where we need to look at. But most of our people are not ready to look at or to, to use egg when it's not fresh. We, the traditional way of using certain things, we are constrained to it. And this is the time, in times of COVID, we need to look at how we can change the, the, the status quo. The dynamics. I've been talking about how to deepen the local content in our food. In that, we, we, we use what we eat more so that we'll be able to be uh, food sovereign as mm-hmm. a country. If we continue to do that, and we use, for instance, when I was in Turkey, I ate something that I didn't know was even made out of cassava. Wow. Yes. So, I came back and the guy said, do you know what you ate? I said, no. <laughs> I said, that was cassava. I mean, it was cassava that was boiled and mashed and done into like chips. So they did a gravy. <laughs> and I mean, I ate it and I was like, oh, so it's nice. They added egg and little margarine to it wow. in the whole process. And you wouldn't know that is cassava. Wow. And it's good that cassava right now, everybody's talking about cassava. Cassava is the gold of Africa. Thailand makes $4 billion out of cassava chips only when the country doesn't even eat cassava. Wow. As a country. So, I want to come back to some opportunities within the value chain, Talk within this COVID-19 time. Talk to me. Where people can make huge uh, um, differences. One area I want to go in is rice. The rice value chain is very, very critical in that as a country, we spend over 2 billion cities of rice, uh, or we have a rice importation bill worth 2 billion cities. Thailand, Vietnam, India, Pakistan, and the likes are no longer exporting to any other country. All the ones that they are sending to us now are the ones that they have stored for the past 10 years or more. So some of the rice that we even eat here are older, very old. And we're talking about how to eat nutritious food. If you have money, it will cost you per acre just a little over 1,050 cities to produce one acre of rice. And you will make not less than 3,000 cities within four months. Wow. Spend 1,000 okay. cities, one acre, you get three times. Exactly. Another area, we eat a lot of rice. Rice is the second most consumed food apart from maize. 
So the last statistics by the United States Department for Agriculture shows that consumption of maize is 38%, rice is 28 then we have sogum and the likes following in that order. We import a number of or huge quantity of wheat mm-hmm. for our cake, bread, and many other things. Mm-hmm. Cassava flour can also do the same. Mm. If we domesticate or we bring in the local content into our food diet, we have the orange flesh sweet potato. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casa Daropa is doing fantastic job there. Central region. Central region. These are the areas. I mean, sweet potato I, I has had, been I with us. Sweet potato bread. Bread. Fantastic. Great. Fantastic. And orange flesh sweet potato has been with us for many years. It's very good for our climate zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we do have the old sweet potato already. Mm-hmm. Even though it has lots of fiber, there are ways we can take off that fiber system mm-hmm. and make it, uh, make it very conducive for us to be used for any other thing, including pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. The ibuprofen, the paracetamol, and all that it could be catered for. Mm-hmm. Even ethanol. What are we using the ethanol for? Alcohol. Mm. We spend a lot. And you see, as a country, we have a number of things that can generate ethanol for us. Mm-hmm. But we are not looking at it. For example? Cassava. We can get ethanol from cassava. Yes. It's the biggest producer of ethanol. Wow. If you go to Caltech in Ho, Hojo, mm-hmm. he does. He's been doing that for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, a number of other areas uh, across spread across the country down to ethanol production using cassava. Mm-hmm. So cassava is the gold of Africa. You can't go wrong with it. Cassava is the gold of Africa. You can't go so wrong with it. rice... You've mentioned cassava. Uh, what else are you talking? Another about? area I want to, another crop I want to talk about is mango and yam. Mango and yam. Yes, many people are not looking at it. Mm-hmm. The green gold that they talk about is mango. Mango is the green gold. Yes. Why? Amon is the king of all fruits. Mango is the king of fruits. People will, people enjoy the mango fruit juice. You see. All the fruits that you see on the market, even the small ones. Bernard, I remember if you cast your mind back, I know you have climbed the mango tree no, before. We went to go for mango hunting. Exactly. With bags. Which other fruits do you hunt for? It's only mango. Exactly. Mango hunting. Mango is the king of all fruits. We have different varieties from Kent to Keith. And the big ones. The big ones. And we export some of them. We have some as uh, mango, uh, dried mango. We have some as fresh cut. We have some as fruit juice, concentrate. But it takes a while for mango to grow. Oh, three and a half years. And then there are diseases these days. So I was traveling to uh, a Sikuma. I used a Dodowa road. I saw a lot of mango trees which were diseased in the uh, Dodowa to Somania area. I don't know what you know about that. Those are the BBS and the fruit flies. Okay. Yes, they are genuine challenges. The industry is working around it to come up with some technologies. There are some Israeli uh, uh, technologies available. But I think that there is, in every sector, there are genuine concerns. And I think the mango sector is no exception. It's one area that the private sector... And let me um, make a special appeal to the private sector. Uh, Government should take a look at the private sector and give them more 
sort of um, tax exemptions and see how much the private sector, for instance, let me just use maybe an oil company or a money company, the money available to them that they push to other sectors. If they can produce or cultivate 50,000 acres of land, government should be, be able to give them some exemptions because they are providing food. For Food is very, very critical. Okay? Look, the things that happened in Algeria, Tunisia, and the rest, the Jasmine Revolution, were as a result of food, onion, and some other petty things that keep increasing in terms of pricing. Okay? So, government should come out with unique policy, local content-driven uh, policy that will inv- invite the corporations to invest heavily into agriculture because the corporations themselves also have their citizens who eat food the owner the ceo the board they all eat food and they'll be happy to say look okay we as a city oil company we are investing into hundred thousand acres of rice and government what are you prepared to give us if we invest into that because that would have taken care of your bill of importing, exchanging the dollar for CD or CD for the dollar to import all these things you, when it doesn't add anything. You to also mentioned yam. Yes. Talk to me about yam. So we have yam as a very unique product. You enjoy your fufu. You enjoy your yam chips with pork. You enjoy yam flour, which is used to do a number of things, desserts and many other things. Yam these days have come as a unique area because in Eastern Europe, is gradually at- attracting market. The same as cassava chips. F- well frozen, chopped and packaged and exported. We export yam in its raw state to South Africa, America, UK, Germany, US and many other places. And a lot of people don't look at it. One acre of yam will give you easily 15,000 tubers. And you add another one, that is what you need to do a container. So yam is good for both local consumption and export. Excellent. In summary, you need to talk to me about the technology and the government policy. How should government policy behave to enable these opportunities to be harnessed? Thank you. We are in a very critical time. The post-COVID or the COVID will come to have come to stay with us and it will be around for the next two to three years. How do we position ourselves as a country? This is the time to look at local content policy. A very robust, aggressive, and with agent policy. That drives in a number of things I raised within the value chain. For instance, where is our technology? Fabrication of little things that requires um, our machinery to move. We did a survey of the three northern regions and some of the areas we went to some of the farms have brand new tractors some as a result of the small boats and knots some as a result of some little challenges they have with maintenance if we can train our youth base and align them with some of the fbos these people can continue to maintain these facilities now let's come down to the local content in itself let's prioritize the areas of food that we eat more as a country. Until 1980 or 90s, rice wasn't our major food. We eat more of beans, leguminous food. We eat more of cassava, plantain, yam, 
and many other things. Our akple, our teaser, kukunte, our fufu. Rice, though, is good in Ghana. I mean, our sauce are very good for it, but it's more a foreign-driven uh, food. So, we live in a country where we need to drive in food sovereignty or food sovereign country. And this is the only way. However, while we increase or we seek to increase more of our indigenous food, let's begin to bring in the technology and add value. Mm. Add value, you process, so we can have it on our shelves for longer and we'll be able to export it. If we continue to do that, these are the areas where we begin to broaden on our sovereign areas and begin to have the necessary food or all the food that we need. Most of our children even think that uh, yam and cassava or rice were, are done in the, in the laboratory. Meanwhile, it's not true. So we need to deepen that very engagement. In terms of technology, yes, we've spoken about Internet of Things, blockchain, no-till, and what have you. These are other areas where most of our uh, technology survey guys can go into weather forecasting, climate change, and especially talking about technology and market. The market now have moved to the cyberspace. So there is a need for us to look at how we can develop medium and other uh, marketing intervention cyber-friendly instruments to bring the marketers, uh, to bring the consumers and the products onto the same platform. This is another unique opportunity for people who want to go or people otherwise who want to invest into okay. marketing systems. We need to end here. Thank you very much, uh, Anthony Morrison. Or I call you Farmer. Thank you. Farmer Anthony Morrison, CEO of the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana and the chair of the Ghana Agriculture Sector Skills Council for speaking to us about opportunities within the agriculture and agribusiness value chain. That's all we have time for for today's edition of the On Air series. Stay with City FM. We'll be with you again next time.